Good morning, dieharders. Who's ready to live free or die hard? I am the Shogun. This is the SW Experience Reviews for Spencer Confidential, and here we go. spoiler review and then we move on to the spoiler review of the episode okay on this episode of snw experience reviews i'm reviewing spencer confidential the netflix peter berg movie starring mark Wahlberg and baku from black panther because i don't know his, i don't know his name dude like you know i don't know his name i could call him the dad from us but that's I'm like, you know, whatever, you know, the dad from us slash from Baku from Black Panther, you know, great guy, you know, Winston Duke, yeah, Mark Wahlberg and Winston Duke as these two, uh, you know, it's basically a buddy cop movie, two guys who initially don't like each other have to team up and they like solve some kind of mystery or like, I don't know, do something, it's a formulaic buddy cop movie, man, that's what you know spencer confidential is you know mark Wahlberg plays this guy named spencer and you know winston duke plays this guy named hawk so spencer you know they team they team up together to uncover conspiracy and basically solve solve the mystery behind some dude's murder that's the premise uh, alan arkin is in there too um you know peter berg the film's director is in the movie too but only in a voice role he's the news exposition man you know he's like all movies begin with like news reports giving the necessary exposition to establish the world like he's that guy like he's the guy laying the exposition as shots of boston you know as the movie shows shots of like gratuitous boston city shots like a bridge or a bunch of buildings or like you know landmarks and shit you know opening movie stuff so yeah um non-spoiler review wise i liked the action i i you know the dialogue i kind of you know i it did feel like okay this i like that it was real in the sense that okay this is how people talk i mean i like that the dialogue sounded like dialogue what the fuck is that what kind of review is that i like the dialogue actually sound like this is how people talk because realistically there are things that people say in this movie that people would say in reality if they were in a similar situation so yeah um didn't really have much it felt like the story was i don't the story was formulaic man it was a typical buddy cop action movie only neither one of these guys is cops and you know they're just together just cause they're together because the story needs them to be. I don't appreciate that much, okay? Things happen because they need to happen. Not because something earlier in the film made it happen, but like, whatever. Things happen because they need to happen. This character, like uh, Spencer and Hawk are, have to room together and live in, the same ho- live in the same house, share the same room, because the story needs them to, that's why. You know, this is a big fucking house. You tell me there's not another room in there that Spencer could sit in? You know, just saying. And if, you know, uh, also they get along later on, you know, like, you know, the buddy cop formula. Initially, they don't like each other. They, like, I think, you know, they, they actually are pretty combative against each other. Like, they fight for a bit or they bicker or whatever. And then there's like one bonding moment and all of a sudden, and after a while, they're the you know their partners and they're able to team up for the third act to take out the bad guy thing okay that's the normal buddy cop formula you know you plenty of buddy cop movies do that you 48 hours your midnight run you know yes you're 
Uh, it's that cliche. It, dude, this movie's full of cliches. That's another thing about this movie. This film is full of cliches and tropes and everything. That's what... This movie should be called Spencer Confidential or Spencer and Hawk. This, this movie should be called Cliches and Tropes, the movie. Because it's full of them. Like, every major plot piece. Like, if you've seen buddy cop movies before, if you've seen cop movies before, you know how this story is gonna play out, dude. Like, you know, like, you could be sitting there with a friend who's never seen these kind of movies and be like, hey, how much you wanna bet that's the bad guy? How much you wanna bet these two dudes are gonna be all buddy-buddy by the end? How much you wanna bet this character who's close to the hero gets kidnapped? How much you want to bet this hall ends in some huge shootout in an abandoned place? Like, that's... This movie is, this movie is so fucking formulaic and cliche-ridden and just tropey, man. Like, it's not bad. They're not bad tropes. These tropes are good when you use them correctly. It's like... <laughs> but this is... Oh, man. There's nothing in this movie that you... That... Like... Ah, man, this is like, it's like, I, to say there's nothing original in this movie would be unfair, but there's like very little in this movie to see that you haven't seen somewhere else, and probably a dozen times over or a dozen times better. Let me just say that. And you know, this isn't a bad movie, but it's not a great movie. It's good. It's a good, if not forgettable, action buddy comedy, you know? Um, it's like the other guys, but if it was a straight up action movie instead of a comedy. You know, an action comedy, that's what I'm gonna say. You know, like, this movie essentially cribs a lot from other action movies, other buddy cop movies. Just for example, it's the other guys, national security, exit wounds, last boy scouts. You know, there's so much of those movies in this movie. It's like you took bits and pieces from a bunch of other movies and then cobbled those bits and pieces together to make this movie. But you dressed it up in a new jacket so no one would spot that it was a bunch of different movies all at once. Like, just... <sighs> what the hell? Man, anyway... Uh, that is the non-spoiler review. That's as far as I'm gonna get. Um, the music wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, the characters didn't really i mean I, yeah i said i like the fight scenes i like that the hero gives as good as he gets um he's not just some indestructible badass or whatever he's not john wicking his way through the movie he's not one-shotting bad guys i like that the protagonist felt like an actual person you know he could get hurt he could get beat up he doesn't always you know figure out the right solution sometimes he does need help you know like Shit. And I hate, I like that they didn't do the cliche about like, I don't do partners. Like, just if this was a police procedural, if Spencer was a cop and dude was his new partner, he would have done the whole I don't do partners. Oh, Metro! Fucking Eddie Murphy's Metro. That movie. It also crips from that damn movie. Shit. Oh, this movie is a bunch of movies just cobbling. Anyway, you want to hear my non-spoiler review for the movie, I give this movie a solid 6 out of 10. Just, you know, I mean, it's a nice if not forgettable action movie. I'd give this movie a 6 out of 10. You know, it's just this film mostly being a bunch of action movie cliches and tropes all stitched together. You know, with twists and revelations you can see coming a mile off. You know, if you're an action movie fan, kind of bring the whole thing down. But, you know, uh, as good as the movie is in the areas it is good in, there's just no rewatchability. 6 out of 10. You know, if you want something, wouldn't, I wouldn't really. It, it has no rewatchability. If you've seen it once, you kind of have no reason to go back and see it again. You know, it's... Yeah, that's all I got to say for the non-spoiler review. Now, for the spoiler-filled section, I warn you, the spoilers in here, it doesn't fucking matter, okay? If you've seen Play Cop movies, you've seen this movie. But anyway, going into the spoiler section in 3, 2, 1.
Alrighty then. Into the spoiler review of Spencer Confidential. Um, see, there was um, there's a statement Mark Wahlberg made years ago about like how if he was on the plane on 9/11, that it never would have crashed into the twin towers. Those motherfuckers would have like jumped out of the plane just to, like get away from him or some shit like that. And you know, people didn't like that then. And like when it was dug up a while back, when they dug up that comment, you know, people hated it even more nowadays. And just you know, there's so many movies where it feels like he's trying to prove that point. Like what he said was actually thing. For example, I mean, this is a this is yet another team up between Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg. You know, this is another Mark Wahlberg Peter Berg collaboration. Uh, the movies that preceded this one i mean this isn't one of those movies. this isn't one of those look you know i am a fucking action man who would have fought who fights terrorists and shit you know i prevent disasters no no this isn't one of those movies this is just you know your typical cop seeking to uncover conspiracy needs help you know get, gets a partner and they do that shit this is a police corruption stories you know it's like the corruptor or you know just any other cop movie that involves police corruption and shit but movies other than this, like Mile 22, Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, and Patriot's Day, there was an article about this shit where it's like Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg glamorized disaster. And yeah, I mean, Mile 22, dude trying to prevent fucking, you know, someone, what is it? He's trying to, he's basically a special ops guy who's trying to prevent. A disaster from happening like finding uh this like virus or something that will kill anybody if, if they were like if a tablespoon about this hits the room everybody's dead some shit like that lone survivor is about dude surviving an attack against by the taliban you know like fighting off the taliban by his lonesome Deepwater horizon is him trying to escape a burning oil rig patriots day is mark Wahlberg hunts down the terrorists who bombed the buses boston marathon you know, and I'm kind of glad that, like, his fifth Peter Berg movie is just a normal film. I mean, yeah, it's a dude fighting police corruption, but it's a normal enough film that he's not some knight in shining armor come to save the day. He's a dude, you know, he's fucked up in the past, and he's not some special forces guy with all the skills to take on ten men by himself. And he's not some jabbering asshole like he is in mile 22 jesus christ dude that is the most amount of dialogue i've ever heard mark Wahlberg say in his entire fucking career and halfway through i wanted him to shut the fuck up somebody shoot this guy already so he can stop monologuing and complaining and yelling at people jesus man shut the fuck up jeez <sighs> all that to one side shit all right, to one side, back to the review. Um, this movie, Spencer Confidential, opens with this flashback. Uh, you know, Spencer as this cop. Or, see, the thing is, the flashback has no words in it. So we see this flashback and we think, dude is responding to, um, you know, just a case of a, a husband abusing his wife. So he drags the guy out to the front of the house and beats him within an inch of his life. And even the wife comes out screaming, stop, stop. And he ends up getting arrested for it spends time in jail and on his when it's time for him to come out of jail he i mean like oh yeah he's got his release date is due soon so now fucking what's that guy's name put the, the fucking guy i can't remember his name he's the, i can't even say that rapper with the tattoos on his face because a lot of motherfucking rappers have tattoos on their face shit anyway um so yeah this rapper with tattoos on his face comes up to see him and <laughs> and he fucking post malone yeah post malone comes to see him thinking he's playing like this white supremacist like thug thing is when you have tattoos on your face and you're trying to be an actor it's gonna be tough for you man because the only role someone with tattoos on their face can play is either a thug or a heavy for the bad guy or the bad guy just you're not gonna be starring in fucking soulful dramas like i don't know doting dad or some shit you're not gonna be in like fucking wacky comedies unless you're playing some 
thuggish version of a comedic of a comedic version of a thug or some shit. You're only you're pigeonholing yourself by getting a tattoo on your fucking face. See, characters with tattoos, you know, like you know, your machine gun Kelly or or uh, I can't uh, your your CM Punk. Now, people with tattoos, unlike their arms and chest or whatever, they can play characters because their face is clear. You know, like anybody has tattoos dude. tattoos are a normal thing when they're on your arms you have like a sleeve tattoo or a chest tattoo that's normal that's okay anybody can you can just put on a shirt and be a, uh, a white meat baby face hero i mean maybe not the mgk you can be like anti-hero i guess i mean do you look at mgk and say oh yeah there's goes Fucking Michael from down the block, straight A student dude. Then I'm not insinuating Machine Gun Kelly is dumb. I'm just painting a picture here. There goes like the straight A student, classic boy neck, all American boy next door. No, dudes, <laughs> you'd be bullshitting yourself if you looked at him and said, "Oh yeah, that's what his, that's his deal." You know, he's such a 100% straight laced, clean cut guy. Yeah. <laughs> But like you know, those, you know, you could pretend he is if he had like a, a Mr. Rogers sweater or some shit. If Post Malone rocked up in a fucking Mr. Rogers sweater, I'd be like, what the fuck is this dude doing here, man? Like, what the the tattoos on his face give away he's not a good dude. I'm not saying Post Malone's a bad dude. I'm saying he's a bad dude in the context of that hypothesis. He's a bad dude pretending to be a good guy. He has tattoos on his fucking face. Just anyway, in this film. Yeah, so he comes up, tells him like, you know, hey, um, I just want, we just wanted to wish you farewell, you know, and you know, kill you before you. There's a, there's a bounty on your head, and we're gonna kill you. So they attack him, and he fights back. But I like that he doesn't fight back in like the typical, you know, like, like that weird MMA, like special forces shit everyone does in action movies now. Fucking Ludacris did it in, in like. Fate of the Furious. No, uh, no, 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 no. It was, Fast Furious. it was Furious 7. He did it in Furious 7. I'm like, that weird, like, special forces hand-to-hand shit. I'm glad that he didn't do that. I'm glad that it was more of a brawling style in the sense that, you know, punches were thrown, jabs, people were getting tossed into things. It was more of a street fight thing because it would be ridiculous if a cop not even a detective or anything, but like a regular uniform cop was able to pull off them kind of moves. So, yeah. And I like that this character wasn't some special forces dude in the shady past or whatever, because that's a cliche in and of itself. You know, he's not Steven Seagal. And he shouldn't be. That's good, you know, like... <laughs> this role feels like it was... I'm gonna be honest, man. If there are roles where you can look at and say anybody could have done that, anybody could have played this character, but this role feels like it was written for Mark Wahlberg. And then again, it's a Peter Berg movie. So, I mean, you can just look at it and be like, yeah, it makes sense that Mark Wahlberg is in this role. Can you see anyone else doing that? I mean, like, it just, it has that vibe, you know, like, yeah, I couldn't see. I totally couldn't see anyone else playing this role except Mark Wahlberg. It was just, feels like it was made for him because it probably was. So yeah, after he dusts the bad guys and in jail and makes it out to the car, his, you know, he, he meets his mentor, Alan Arkin, and they, they drive off in his, his car. This is the car that's in the posters of the Riviera, I think it's called. So they drive off before dude's girlfriend can come get him. I think she's give him a piece of her mind because she like went all the way to the prison and she's wanted it. She wanted to meet him when he got out because she wanted to give him hell and basically tell him, like, just give him shit for getting locked up in the first place. It shows him, like, a flashback. She was, like, angry and pissed and throwing shit out the window when she found out he was going to get locked up. She was like, why can't you just mind your fucking business? Like, just, I mean, he was a cop. It's in his nature to be snoopy about shit, including, like, getting into other people's business, especially if that business involves breaking the law. But, like, you know... And later on, it turns out that she wanted to get, you know, get to him to tell him to basically, she basically told him to go fuck himself, like, you know, to tell him, like, she's moved on with his life, you know, she wants nothing to do with him, and that always bugged me with those fucking characters, I hate when characters do that, they track you down, 
just to tell you they want nothing to do with you and like they've moved on with their life bullshit all right all of you motherfuckers i don't remember i don't remember if it was Demi Lovato. i think it was selena gomez yeah, 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 I think it was Selena Gomez, cause like I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but she was in like this movie where this kid, um, was like she dumps this guy, and that guy then later on gets a gun and shoots up a school, and then kills himself, and now everybody's giving her shit about it. So then she goes to the dude's dad and gives him shit like you know people are harassing me they're doing all this shit and it's all because of your son whatever whatever and like later in the movie like the dad is using his son's un you know unpublished songs to you know like try and connect with him and somehow connect with his deceased son and you know heal and cope and all everything's going well until she comes back into the fucking woodwork and she's like it was called i can't remember the movie wait let me find that shit yeah it's called rudderless yeah it's this movie starring uh billy crudup anton yelchin and selena gomez yeah 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 yeah. she gives him shit like what the hell like he's like filming the songs or whatever you know he's the dad is singing the kid's song she comes back to like give him shit about it like you think like singing his songs is like what is like make you feel better like some shit that you know she just gives him shit for no reason and then like leaves she, she like she wants to be distanced from this guy from like the dude and everything associated with him but she keeps coming back just to fuck with this guy things are going well and what she said like just makes him feel worse like all the progress he made just like tears him down it's like what the fuck lady i mean you just came you exist solely to give this dude shit for no reason and that's kind of what dude's wife i think ex-wife yeah like ex-wife comes back into the picture and she's like you know fuck you fuck everything you did you know I, I don't want nothing to do with you like you know go fuck yourself basically shit like that you know, basically shit like that, you know. So, damn, man. <laughs> damn, though, you know, so she gives him shit this germ. And, um, also, yeah, later on in the movie, they fuck in the bathroom. And after that, you know, they he stays at her house. And they wind up getting back together by the end. Their relationship is fucking weird. It goes from, I want nothing to do with you, stay the fuck away from me. To, like, she later sees him in a restaurant. She's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Uh, like, blah, 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 blah. I'm not letting you leave. Like, <laughs> are you following me? And he tries to leave. She locks the door on him. They end up fucking. And then they just repair the relationship. Like, because they have to. Man, that's another thing in the movie. Things in this movie happen because the story needs them to. There's no connective tissue showing how it happens. It just happens. Like, oh yeah, they need a place to stay. All right. Let's go to his ex-wife's house. Yeah, they crib that from national security. And then, by the end, they're back together. You know, just cause, really. Not even like, she hates him a little less now, or he's done something to make her hate him a little less now. He's just come back and been the dude he was when he left, essentially. And that's enough, I guess. You know, just whatever. But yeah, dude gets out of jail and he goes to the house, discovered Hulk is living there too. It's like, what the hell? You said I was gonna have my own room and... <laughs> dude, I remember, I, this was so fucking ridiculous. I remember writing this shit down. Like, I didn't write it down word for word, but I basically write down what happens. So, <laughs> so after he discovered Hulk and after he confronts fucking Alan Arkin's character, about it um yeah in buddy cop movies they normally don't like each other there's normally a reason for it but these two don't like each other just because they share they have to share a rule that's it spencer doesn't like hawk initially because they have to share a room like he said he said you'd give me like he was promised his own room and he has to share it with a dude this is weird considering it's a big fucking house and the old guy you know alan arkin's character just tells them you're gonna be living together like it's like hey y'all gonna share a room deal with it and then he fucks off without explaining why 
Like, wait, who is this dude? How is he? Why is he here? Why do I have to share a room with him? Hello? Story? Are you gonna explain this at all? Nope. I'm gone. Just... <laughs> anyway, like, he's gone before he has to explain why. He fucks off before the story has to explain why the two protagonists need to be in each other's spaces all the time. And they have to spend more time later because, like... Despite the fact that by this point we've had two fight scenes, right? One against criminals and one against other cops. Where Spencer, you know, we, we just had a scene where Spencer got beat up by a bunch of other cops and tossed out of a cop bar because he went there looking for information. You know, despite the fact that we just had that scene, like we have a scene where Alan Arkin's character is like, hey, like, um, go teach Hawk how to, you're going to be te teaching Hawk how to fight. You know, you're going to teach him how to throw punches and shit. Like, nobody fights like you. I mean, you haven't established that. You've established that he can fight, but you haven't established that he's like some kind of exceptional fighter or anything. Just, just saying. And now he's teaching the guy how to fight, even though his fights have been, you know, not so great. He's ended up getting beat up. Granted, it was like four on one, but you know, still bad. Like, it wasn't like he was holding his own. But yeah. Later then, there's this chick. Oh, the story kicks into gear. All that shit's been set up. The story fucking kicks into gear when this woman, she finds her, um, she finds her husband dead in his car, right? In his crashed SUV. And she's like crying, Terrence! Terrence! She falls to her knees. She's like sobbing and crying. And she's like banging. And she's like banging against the glass like the door is locked or something. And she's struggling to get in. The door is not locked. She opened it to see what was going on. And it just shut when she left it by itself. And she's banging on it like it's fucking locked. It's not, lady. You opened it a second ago. Like just... She falls to her knees, and as she's crying, she yells out, Are you fucking with me? Are you fucking with me? Like, what the? <laughs> are you fucking with me? What the hell kind of question is that? If you were like, are you kidding me? Or like, oh my god, please don't do this to me, or some shit like that. I would understand that, but are you fucking with me? Like, what the hell kind of question is that? <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> oh, another thing about this movie, the assholes. There's always that one fucking guy, dude. There's always in every room, in every public setting. There's always that one guy who's just an asshole for the sake of being an asshole. But in this movie, there's they're everywhere. <laughs> Fuck sakes, man. Wherever Spencer goes, he will run into a guy who will be an asshole to him. For no reason other than the story needs him to be an asshole right now. Like when he went to that cop bar, that random cop saw him walk in, go to the bathroom, and then rounded up a bunch of his buddies to follow him into the bathroom. Just cause. I'm just saying, man, it was just cause. This movie frames it like they knew he was there to gather some kind of information. And they give this vibe of like, you shouldn't be here, and then. After they toss him out, they're like, stay out of Boston, or whatever, like, yeah, there's plenty of, there's, earlier in the movie, everybody's telling him, like, you know, you should just let it go, man, leave town, get that truck driving job, and move to Phoenix, you know, Spencer's got this truck driving job, it's like, a court-appointed job or some shit, like, they set him up with a job right after he gets out of prison, he's gonna drive trucks and move to, like, Arizona, and... You know, everybody's like, oh, just just leave, man. Just drop, just forget it all and go drive trucks and everything. Just get out of here, man. Forget it. Just drop it. It's not worth it. But he can't let it go. But he just can't let it go. He gets to feel like something wasn't right here. I just can't. It's like, I can't just let it go. It's a, it, it's like, a. I guess it's supposed to be his character trait that he can't just let shit go. Yet he seemed content with letting his relationship with his old lady go. You know, he seemed pretty content the moment she was like, I'm done with you. He was just like, okay, sure. Like, he didn't want to talk to her. He didn't even want to talk to her, man. Like, it wasn't like the first the first thing he did when he got out of jail was try to get away from her. He seemed way more than content to let that shit go. Yet his character flaw is, I can't let things go. And yet after he got beat up, he was content to let that shit go. Like... Oh well, I guess I'm licked, and just let roll out of there. Not get revenge of any kind later on. 
Speaking of that fight scene at the bar with those cops, afterwards he goes across the street to this place that has a camera pointed at the bar, and he like busts in, and he's like, he comes in to try and get the, he goes in trying to get the tape out of the the, the camera. He's like, I just want to get the tape out of the camera. I just want to get the tape. He's like, there is no tape. It's like, okay, I just want the hard drive then. It's like, there is no hard drive. It's on the cloud. He's been in jail for a while. See, before the existence of the cloud was a thing, I'm assuming. So, so he's like, give me the fucking cloud. Like, give me the fucking cloud, man. I'm not playing around. Like, just give me the fucking cloud. You can't give somebody the cloud, but you can, you know, copy what you have on there and download it to a device of some sorts, which I assume is what they did. Because later on, when he has, a, he has watching it on a laptop, and like Hawk is helping him work the laptop. He's like, okay, you're uh, you're good, right? You're good now. It's like, no, man, I, I, I need you. I need to help. I don't know anything about this computer shit. Like, which is fair. He didn't know what the cloud was. I mean, he was still looking for tape. <laughs> he thought there was a fucking cassette tape somewhere in there. Like, he's been in jail for a while, man. He's been in jail since the CD was still a new thing. That's how far back he seems to go. So yeah, and he's like, I don't know how to work this computer shit. So yeah, it makes sense that he would need help from Hawk in that regard. And that's what gets Hawk involved initially. But he's not all in yet. He's like, okay, I helped you with this one thing and I'm a peace out for now. I'm gonna go back to doing MMA and you know, being really cool with your dog. Like for some reason, yeah, that's another thing they, they didn't like about him. He doesn't like the idea that Hawk in the time that Spencer was gone, got really friendly with Spencer's dog. Like, he doesn't like that. So, the thing is, the dog really seems to like Hawk and is acting weird around Spencer and he doesn't like that. There's one scene where that happens and then they never bring it up again. Next time we even see the dog, is it's fucking like running up to Spencer like, you know, he's always been there and that previous conflict is no longer a fucking thing because the movie no longer needs it to be a fucking thing. We never see that issue resolved. It's just resolved. Shit happens because the movie needs it to happen. Shit has already happened because the movie needs it to have already happened. <sighs> anyway. <clears throat> oh, shit. And um, I mentioned Spencer being a truck driver at the place he's known to be a truck driver. There's this big black truck called the Black Betty. You know that song like oh black betty bam blam that yeah it's that as in the song yeah a big black truck called the black betty and you just know that telegraphing that dude is gonna drive this truck at some point at some point in the movie this truck is gonna play a fucking factor in some way somehow and i know he's gonna get that truck and he's gonna use it to you know attack the bad guys in the third act they keep showing the truck every time he goes there and he even stops to be like, that's cool, that's a real cool truck. And he cuts back to, and they cut back to it, you know, just, oh, well. He keeps saying, oh, like, go be a truck driver, you're starting to be a truck driver, go be a truck driver, whatever. And then they show this fucking truck every time they go back here, you know. Oh, they're seriously setting it up, but yeah. Okay, so, yeah. In the I mentioned there's always that asshole. Once this character, this chief, this, uh, one of the people, the guy who ended up dead the first, the lifted lady, like, are you fucking kidding me? He died the same day as this other guy. The other guy was the dude that Spencer beat to a bloody pope in the opening of the movie, and he was like some kind of high-ranking police official. Now that he's turned up dead, the cops showed up at Spencer's door, and they're like, keep in mind, I'm telling this shit out of order. Yeah, I'm telling this way out of order. Now that the cops showed up at Spencer's door, they were like, hey, the dude that you got arrested for beating within an inch of his life turned up dead the other day. Did you do it? And the guy who's asking him these questions is Spencer's old partner and some other guy. This guy is an asshole. There's always that one guy. But in the case of Spencer, every other guy is that guy. And he's the other guy, so he's that guy. But like, Spencer's partner is really cool, he's really chilled, so he asked him, did you do it? Spencer's like, nope. And the guy was like, you know, I was here all day. And you know, Spencer's partner is like, all right, I guess that's it. We gotta go. Like, all right, man, had to ask, you know, proceed. Peace out to you. And I was like, wait, that's it? 
like I know like I know who the fuck you are man I be, it's like um like I was in the academy like sometime after you were whatever whatever and now I'm a detective yeah motherfucker I'm living your life I'm living your life bitch like I'm doing I'm something you can never be I'm a detective suck it like he doesn't say suck it but he's basically saying that he's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick because the story needs him to be an asshole right now scratch that he's being an asshole for the sake of being an asshole because the story needs him to be an asshole right now there corrected myself no asshole would do that they just stuck with that fucking initial statement but yeah it's like dude even his partner is like dude enough just leave man get the like, go go wait in the car some shit man like just I'm sorry, man. Like he looks at him like, "Hey, sorry about the rookie." Man. <laughs> it's like the senior cop talking about his rookie partner, like, "Hey, sorry about the rookie." Just it's all this dude ain't no rookie, but it definitely puts that vibe. Like, "Hey, bro, sorry about my partner. He is a little—he's kind of an idiot." <laughs> yeah, Bokeem Woodbine is the, the partner. He's Driscoll. Thing is. Bokeh Woodbine is great at playing morally ambiguous characters. You know, you don't know whether they're the good guy or the bad guy. But this movie, if you've seen cop movies, you know he's the bad guy because he's a really good guy. He's like the only guy who's seemingly, you know, the only guy on the force who's nice to the hero. Just, it's one of the tropes that I hate. You're one of those cliches that I hate more than anything. I hate those lame action movies with the good guy has one guy who can trust and that one guy turns out to be the one guy he shouldn't trust because he's in on it. Just, ugh. It's fucking bullshit, man. Like, and you just know Bokeem Woodbine is in on it because like later on Spencer goes to question him about one of the deaths and he was like, hey man, I wasn't even there. You know, I don't know nothing about it. I wasn't there. But Spencer found like a toothpick at the scene and he remembers that his best friend likes to chew on toothpicks. So he's like, oh, that's evidence. The thing is, that ain't evidence. That that could be a that could just be a toothpick, dude. That doesn't mean he specifically was there. He can't be the only cop in town with to toothpicks. But the way he reacts when he's being asked, he's like, oh, like I don't, I don't know nothing about it, man. Like, you know, what would you ask me this for? You know? It's nothing, dude. Forget about it. You know, just, just drop it. Just drop it. Everybody who's in on this shit is like, just drop it. Or just get out of town. Or like, just just go to, go, go on to Atlanta, man. Like, live your life. Don't bother yourself with this shit. You know, like, go on, man. Just, he's being way too... <laughs> it is so obvious he's in on it, dude. God damn. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, well. I like that in the fight scene, Spencer gets as good as he gives. He eats punches and he's not like invincible. He does take damage when he gets hit. When he's And he's not like some special forces or John Wick type. He's a brawler and the fights aren't these well choreographed ballet looking things like many other movies. There's damage and dirty fighting, plus it gets pretty brutal. Yeah, I was right. A guy gets stabbed in the leg with one of those things they put orders on, like those spikes that they stack a bunch of orders on. Stab right in the knee. There's this brutal fight in the, this diner. A guy gets run over by a car and hit by a truck. I mean, some just a whole lot of shit going on. So yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a scene where the guy chases Corvette dude named Tracksuit Charlie. Spencer tells a story about like, uh, oh yeah, whatever. They're chasing this Corvette. When Spencer is chasing the Corvette on foot, he gets attacked by a dog, and that sequence goes on way too long. It's not funny, it doesn't advance the story, it's just there, and it's going on longer than it really needs to, man. We could have gone through the movie with, without, with, you know, we could have trimmed this just a bit. On the upside, this is the second movie where Mark Wahlberg gets attacked by a dog while he's chasing somebody. It's also the second movie where Mark Wahlberg is with Pokey Woodbine. They haven't done a movie together since the big hit. That movie is better than this movie, it's, and it's also filled with cliches, but it does, it executes them in a more interesting way. Plus, it's directed by John Woo. You gonna hate on John Woo? No? Exactly, so shut up. Anyway, moving on. 
Uh, I must have missed the part where Spencer and Hulk become friends because now they're bonding over Hulk training in MMA and Hulk is sharing this backstory about how his dad was also a guy who couldn't let shit go, just like Spencer. And with that, we have friendship, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the two characters who didn't like each other for no reason, now like each other for a paper-thin reason. Like, yeah. Anyway, turns out that uh, the guy who died that and the guy who Spencer beat up, um... <clears throat> Uh, was the guy that Benzo beat up at the beginning of the movie was part of this conspiracy with a guy named Traxon Charlie. It led to this innocent woman's death years ago. Once he found out that, you know, dude was, he found out that, and, um, you know, Mark Wahlberg knew that this dude had something to do with this chick's death. And he found out the guy was also abusing his wife. So he beats him bloody, which is how he got locked up in the first place. It's the old cliche story about police corruption and the crooked cops being in a conspiracy with criminals. They're making all the money. And it's all somehow tied into this Wonderland racetrack. Yeah, it's all somehow tied into like a thing, like a place where they can all push the money, like uh, a casino, a strip joint, uh, uh, you know, a place where they can wash dirty money and get come kind of come out clean. So yeah, basically. Anyway, this movie is a lot. Wait, wait, wait. This movie is a lot more The Last Boy Scout and Exit Wounds with a dash of national security than I think it was trying to be. Though I don't think they don't immediately. I know, wait. Ah, I think it was trying to be. Though I like they don't immediately go down the no one can help us, we gotta do this ourselves route, and they actually take the evidence to the FBI, who say it's not enough evidence. Then they take the evidence to this reporter, and even he's like, it's not enough. Okay. And it's only when Spencer and Hawk's mentor, Alan Arkin's character, gets kidnapped because he stupidly went back to the whole, his own house, even though he knew people were fucking looking for him and they were gonna use him as fucking bait to draw Spencer with them. Another thing, this happens because its story needs it to happen. We need Alan Arkin's character to get captured, and you know, this is a way for him to do so. Like, we need this to happen, so it's happened. It doesn't make sense for it to happen, but we need it to happen, so it has. Fucking bullshit, man. Yeah, I like that they try to go to the cops, because realistically, when you're dealing with a corrupt police force, you wouldn't be like, we need to, it's like, we can't go to the cops, so we need to take care of this ourselves. Like, action movies do that a lot. You know, the protagonist can't go to the police, they can't call the cops, so they try to take care of the problem themselves, instead of, you know, taking it to the news. You know, just, I like that the movie Shoot 'em Up justified why Smith and Monica Bellucci's character couldn't go to the police. I actually took the time to explain that by saying, like, yeah, there's nothing on the news about it. It's like, I called that guy, I know, and things, Smith actually, this is one of the reasons why I don't like that cliche, because, like, fucking Smith pointed it out, and now I see it everywhere, and I hate it. Like, he said, I hate those lame action movies where the good guy has one guy he trusts, and that guy betrays him. So he calls a guy he knows at like and at the news stations. He called local news. He called everywhere, and then at like later that night, he noticed like, wait a minute, there's not a single news story about any of the fucking shootout that happened anywhere. So it insinuates that the bad guys must have people at the news service on the payroll, and if they can bribe the fucking news people, then it stands to reason they also have cops on the payroll because no cops are reporting anything that's happening here. So that it explains, well, okay, this is why we can't go public. This is why we can't, you know, go to the cops. We really do have to do this ourselves because we have no other alternative. And, you know, thing is, that may be the case, but then Smith and Mark Bellucci's character, they try to find an alternative. It isn't until that senator ends up dead that they fully commit to the, fuck, we have no way out. We gotta do this ourselves. There's no other way. You know, I like when movies take the time to justify their whole one-man army third act shootout instead of just having a big fucking shootout just cause. You know, that's something I'll praise this movie for. It does that well. So, you know, third act happens, Wonderland racetrack, Black Betty winds up getting used, Rex shop, you know, takes out a lot of bad guys. But a missed opportunity, they didn't have the song Black Betty playing in well as that be. They didn't have Spencer drive up to the fucking place with, oh, back there, blam, blam, playing in the background. 
missed opportunity, should have done it. Yeah, on the nose, but come the fuck on. You know why you named the truck that name. At least play the fucking song, man. Come on. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, the big shootout happens at the one-line racetrack. The two-man power trip take on everybody. Winston Duke's character shows off like his skills as an MMA fighter and wrecks fucking everybody. But it's nowhere to be found in the climactic battle between Mark Wahlberg and his the hit co-star. <laughs> Boki Woodbine. Also, I gotta give props to Boki Woodbine. He's a phenomenal actor, man. He's seriously underrated. Props to Boki Woodbine. You were chilling with guys like Tupac in the 90s. He was in Total Recall. The big hit. You know, let's just take a moment to give props to Bokeem Woodbine. You know, Bokeem Woodbine. Yeah. Anyway, moving the fuck on from that. Yeah, so there's that fu- there's a moment where he's like got the bad guy dead to rights. He's got a gun on him. Bad guy's got no gun. And he decides to do the stupidest fucking cliche action movie cliche ever. He puts his gun down. And he goes one-on-one with the fucking bad guy. Jesus, I hate when characters do this. It's dumb. You have the bad guy dead to rights. Just don't throw your gun away so you can go one-on-one. It's fucking dumb, dude. Adventures of Ford and Fairlane proved this was dumb back way back when. He actually goaded the bad guy into throwing his fucking gun down. And then insulted him about how fucking stupid it was that he just did that. Like, what did you throw? Why did you do that? Like, I mean... <laughs> what does man to manner even mean? Use your head and then you fucking shot him. Because as much as that movie gets flack for its like transphobic and very dated comments like homophobic shit, the shit like that, the one thing it gets right is that ending. The idea of the good guy and the bad guy having a fist to fist showdown instead of just the good guy shooting him when he's got him dead to rights, that's stupid. Yeah. And, you know, the good guys get praised as heroes, the, the cop who got killed gets redeemed, and the movie should end here, but sequel bait's got a sequel bait, so they sh- they cut to a shot of the Spencer, Hulk, Alan Arkin, and Spencer's girl, you know, just sitting here at a diner, a fucking lobster joint, and, you know, uh, you know, I, yeah, they're sitting at this fucking lobster joint, you know, with the girl who went from hating him to never wanting to see him again to fucking, you know, fucking him in the, to fucking him in the bathroom to letting hide at her place and then walking along the beach, all despite nagging along the way. Have little in the nice, have little in the way of nice things to say about him. It feels like it should be the end. The camera even pans out to a wide shot of them walking away from it as it lifts to show the city of Boston with the music cranking up, you know. And I think I'm about to watch the credits roll, but it just keeps going this point i'm just i genuinely said to myself why isn't this ending like and it turns out it's not over because sequel bait that's why the film rather than ending on a happy note decides it should set up a sequel i mean it's a netflix movie it doesn't have to worry about shit like box office but i mean goddamn, dude there's no guarantee this will get a sequel this ending just looks kind of ridiculous if it doesn't get a sequel but anyway ugh, sequel bait's got a sequel bait though shit Oh well, moving on. Yeah. And they kind of got that from the other guys when like that dude walked up and he basically handed them their fucking next case involving like Goldman Sachs and all that. So yeah. Yeah, they put that right at the fucking end and I appreciate that part at least that they waited till the end of fucking Zeebo Bay, but goddamn. Oh. Yeah, bottom line, I give Spencer Confidential a 6 out of 10. Uh, it's a decent, if not forgettable, action movie filled with action movie tropes, cliches, and very little in the way of originality. But yeah, that's it. Get in the
breakfast, still might slide on the op. It's electric. Hating didn't work, so they lied. So they lied. These bitches looking hurt and they fried and they fried. I know they wouldn't miss them if they died. Tell them move, move, move. New Chanel on my body, it's a boost. I'm so popping, I don't ever gotta get into boost. One thing I never call a bitch for is the truth. Drop location, drop a op music Man, this ain't for them niggas in the house This shit for Glock you And don't talk down on Trigis hoes Who known to be a cock you This that pill talk Gotta bust his head, he cut on op music Who said you gang? Who said you could come around this bitch and hang? And I fucked your baby mama, mama And I ain't say a thing They just came outside in 2020 Pull up in that 21 I pick my side, switches fully And I'ma die for 21 I got plenty cars I hit plenty stars and then it come I said it plenty times I pay for bodies, I ain't pay for none You think I'm finna leave my bitch for you? She fucked future too I know that Vaughn hit her She put up on my block and Jimmy Choo Shmurk Ooh, checks coming fast on like swoosh Ooh, ooh, give him to them straight Hundred proof I thought I killed two hoes before It must be deja vu It's either that or I'm catching body number two Piggy swear you ain't scared when you heard yeah appear I'ma hop about the bushes Me and Pusha kill you man I'm just saying now I start to get used to the pain Till one day I said Fuck up my mama suits on the plane why you playing? Reaching the game, losing hand. Where you stand? Where was Jay at? Where was them at? Where he done that? Where he live at? Another headline. Where you had at? Nigga, go home. Where your kids at? They be on my nerve. They be on my nerve. Mm -mm. When we lost Verge, I was on the verge. Mm -mm. I just hit the Louis store, had the spurge. Mm -mm. We just made a silent movie with no words. Mm. Guess who topping now? Uh. God got me now. Uh. Guess who at Balenciaga? Guess who shopping now? Uh. They can stop me now. Uh. I've been popping now. Uh. Cardi, where your sister at? I need Henny now. Mm -mm. I flew in and out, 150,000. Mm -mm. Now even when they shout, gotta shout me out. So ahead. Go ahead, mm-mm, not even close All of y'all is number two Ooh, checks coming fast, sound like swoosh Ooh, ooh, give him to them straight, hundred proof I thought I killed two hoes before, it must be deja vu It's either that or I'm catching body number two